0: So great to be back together after last week, it was a bit of a half, half the family here and half the family down in State East Games last week, so it's lovely to have you all back, I'm really looking forward to this morning. Um, I'll get you to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1 if you have them, chapter 2 if you have them. Okay, we are talking about being the people of God, do you remember this? Yeah? the people of God. The people of God behave, the people of God live, the people of God are gifted, the people of God gather together, the people of God develop postures. We're just sort of talking about being the people of God and what it is about some significant things about being the people of God. And today I want to talk with you about being the people of God who rest. And along with me this morning, I've invited Kim Condren, who is a psychologist, to talk a little bit about the need of rest, the value of rest. And um, so if you hands up if you're tired this morning, right, this is for you.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So I'm going to pray. I'm assuming we're nearly all regathered. So I'm going to pray and then, um, and then we'll get into it. Lord, we thank you for the gathering of the people. We thank you that as we gather, something significant happens. Our regular life sort of goes on pause for a few moments and we gather together with special people who share in our love of you and who together, gathered, experience your love of us. And this morning as we gather, we invite you to speak to us. We hope to learn, to grow, to be challenged, to be nudged, to be reminded of who we are as the people of God and to begin to live into the calling of being God's children, God's family, God's people. And so we ask that you would we give you permission, God, to stir within us and we pray that we would be open in Jesus' name. Amen. Hmm. Wherever I go, I meet people who are tired. This is the reality. I don't know if that's because I mingle with a lot of people who are parents. And parents are generally tired. So I don't know whether that's true or whether it's the rat race of life. There is a fairly strong rat race going on, isn't there? Has anybody heard on Light FM, there's a a poet in residence from Belgrove Heights Christian School and last week his poem was around Today I Turtle. Did anybody hear that poem? I'm sorry I didn't get hold of it because it was a very cute poem about today I'm going to pull my head in, I'm going to shut down, I'm going to slow down, I'm going to wait, I'm going to get out of the race and I'm just going to be still, and um, I I thought it was a beautiful poem that I was listening to as I was in the rat race, racing through the traffic to Caulfield a couple of times this week with my mother in the back, just because we're recording, you all know what I mean, don't you? You know, so there wasn't a time for turtling for me, but I loved the thought of turtling this week. So, I want to share with you the idea of rest and where it comes from in Scripture. And I'm going to show you a little. This isn't coffee. Ooh, don't shake it up. This isn't coffee, this jar. It's dirt. Wouldn't waste that much coffee, would we? (laughs) You know, in life, the busyness of life sometimes means that our life is full and contaminated, busy and swirling with lots of bits and bobs. And um, I just want to leave that here because it's going to rest. And as it rests, gravity's going to do its work. And the gravitational work within the coffee jar will mean that the bits settle to the bottom and the water becomes clear, I hope. (laughs) It might not work. Um, And Kim might speak into this a little bit about some thoughts she's got around this too because she was going to bring her own jar today. (laughs) And we high-fived. Yeah, we got one. That's okay. Um, But my thought around this is I want you to watch what happens when we rest because rest often feels like nothing's happening. We're not doing anything and we don't like to rest because we're Australians and Australians are busy. We're laid back but we're busy people. We like to fit as much into our life as we can. I was talking to a lady yesterday who um, has a robot vacuum whose name is Rosie, I think. Kay's got one too. And she's, this lady said to me, Rosie, this kind of vacuum has one, Businesswoman of the Year support for busy women because this robot sets up the capacity for the woman to work in her business much more effectively and do less in her house. And I love that idea in part and I want one just so you know. But I did think to myself, isn't it interesting that we get products and lots of our products do this that design things to make everything easier Not so that we can rest, but so that we can fill up our time more. So I think we are resting less and less and less. So here we go. Let's talk about rest. Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, and it says this. Thanks, Aaron. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. And so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because, because... On it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Sorry, I didn't bring my reading glasses today. We find this very interesting and curious passage of scripture right at the very beginning of the story, the narrative of the people of God. In fact, the people have just been made God's people. And the very next day, God models to them something pretty significant. God wasn't weary. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't run out of puff and he doesn't need to slumber or sleep, according to the King James quoting the Old Testament. But God rested, which is a curious thing to me. He sets this example at the very beginning of the earth, saying the earth is designed to have rest. It's created that way. And written into the patterns and the rhythms of the world is a need for rest. Is anyone saying, yep, written into my design is a need for rest? I just don't get it very often. But God models this. And as he models it, I think he sets in motion something that later he will put into law. If you go into um, Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 12, you notice that God has written into, these are the Ten Commandments, the Ten Biggies, and within the Ten Commandments, God pops in, might, it might magically appear, God pops in this very important command to rest. Exodus chapter 20, let's see. Verse, what did I say? Five, eight, thank you. Sorry, I have to look it up. Uh, you can? Eight and nine, I think it is. So not only did God model, thanks, Martina. Not only did God model rest; He sets it into the law that Israel begins to live by. And for all of Israel's time, they live under this covenant. That's part of the rules that they have to obey. It's not only for them to rest; it's for the household to rest. It's for the animals to rest. There's this whole sense that this endorses what God has modeled. Creation needs to rest. And if you go further into some of the laws, you'll find that even the land gets rest, not quite as often as human beings, but you rest paddocks and you take opportunity to rest things so that you don't wear them out. Sustainability needs rest. So in fact, the Old Testament law had that if people desecrated the Sabbath and didn't rest, they were um, actually were charged to be killed. That was the consequence. It's a really serious consequence. They did end up... Yeah. Well, in peace, I think, is the right... That's right. But actually, I think that leads to the thought that we perhaps maybe don't live under the law. We certainly don't live under the Old Testament law, and nor do we live under the consequences of the Old Testament law. But in fact, in our life, we live under the natural law of our bodies, don't we? And if we don't rest, we are not living sustainably, and we don't always live that well or that long. So God wove it into the laws. And so Israel lived under this. They didn't obey it along the way. They got greedy for money. They stopped resting on the Sabbath. They stopped resting their servants. They stopped resting their animals and their land. And there, there was consequences and they were let out, along with other issues, they were led out of Israel to Babylon as part of those consequences. When Jesus came, he had a different take on Sabbath. What, give me some of your thoughts. What did Jesus, What was Jesus' view on Sabbath? Beautiful. That's from Mark, I think it's, no it's not Mark, Matthew 11, 20, uh, Matthew 12 actually if you don't mind. You can actually whack the whole thing up Aaron, the whole of chapter 12 if you can on one page. So that's exactly right. Jesus walks the earth and he obviously knows the rules about design because he was there in the beginning when God created the earth. And so he knows that we're created for Sabbath, But he also knows that the Jews were so afraid of breaking the law and they wanted to create justifiable patterns that they made extra laws, laws that were ridiculous, laws that had no mercy, laws that didn't show how to care for people. And so the Sabbath became this um, use of power and control that wore people down for fear rather than a space of rest. So Jesus has this beautiful moment um, in this Matthew passage, but there's many of them that turn up where Jesus heals somebody on the Sabbath. Matthew 12, um, if you could whack the whole thing up, that would be good. Um, And in Matthew 11, the preceding chapter to Matthew 12, which we're obviously not going to read because I want to be quick so that Kim has some time to share, but I wanted to give a spiritual background to the sense and the wisdom that we know psychologically. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus has this beautiful phrase, He's been saying to the cities who have rejected him, woe to you, you've turned your hearts away. Woe to you, you have been um, looking for signs and trying to make the Messiah do magic tricks. Woe to you. And then he looks at the people who are weary from the control of the religious leaders and he says, come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me because my yoke is easy And my burden is light. And from there he rolls into a whole bunch of conversations. This whole chapter in Matthew chapter 12 takes us through the story of Jesus healing someone on the Sabbath. And of course the religious leaders are offended and they're looking for opportunities to kill Jesus, wanting to enact the law that they knew the consequence of working was death. But Jesus, he's drawing these ideas. You know, back in the Old Testament... People who desecrated the Sabbath for the glory of God and the care of others were not found guilty. And further on, he says, God requires mercy, not sacrifice. And then he calls the man out and he says, Stretch out your hand. And the man's withered hand, who's been lame, disabled all his life, is able to use his hand like a normal person. And so Jesus considers that when we do things out of mercy and love, that's not about work. That's about a greater, a greater command to love one another. And um, so we sort of think that Jesus is saying, no, it's not just about the day. Keep the day holy. Make the law work. It's all about... He's saying, actually, weave into your life patterns of rest. And if you go to Mark chapter 1, and verse 35, along with other passages again, you'll find that Jesus withdraws himself, not necessarily on the Sabbath. He withdraws himself to spend time with God. He knows that... To be still with God is to let the, the bits and the bobs settle down and to find restoration and renewal and revival within his own spirit. And he finds himself often withdrawing from the crowd, withdrawing from the disciples to get alone with his Father. And he models for us this new idea of rest. We still need rest. It's still good to Sabbath. Perhaps we can't do a whole day or perhaps it's not about the law of the day. It's actually about coming away with the Father and renewing and resting, silence, solitude, no more things running around in our head and just being still and knowing that God is God. The Apostle Paul in Romans 14 endorses this idea. He's talking about how people have all these rules and they judge each other and among them is some people say you should have the Sabbath and you should keep that holy and other people say every day is for the Lord and it doesn't matter whether I keep a day holy or I rest each day, in the presence of God a little bit. And he kind of endorses the idea that whatever you are convicted of doing, then do, but do to God. And so there's this call that we can either say, well, I just need a whole day's of rest. And if you're a busy mummy, you sometimes just need a whole day out. That's what we did, isn't it? A whole day out. Well, you're not doing anything all day because you you can sort of just take one whole day, let it all go, lay it all down and rest for some of us that have rhythm in our life around school pick-up or drop-off, we might be able to say, well, now's the time for rest, or lunchtime at our workplace, or, and we can actually rest in bits and bobs. And sometimes it's seasonal, that stuff in life, when we find places to rest and rest in God. But um, I really want to encourage you, all through Scripture, we find this call to Sabbath, to rest, to develop patterns of rest. It's countercultural; It's not what Australians do in the 21st century it's not how we raise our children to rest. I mean, we put them to sleep, but we, we keep them busy and sometimes too busy and we're raising them up to believe that to be anything they've got to be doing all the time. I want to call you and remind you to be people that rest. Henry Nguyen says, We do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside time to be with God and to listen to him. How serious Do we take our faith and our belief in Jesus? Well, he calls us to rest, to solitude, to come unto him. So that's the kind of spiritual background of thinking about rest. Here comes Kim, who's going to give us some practical wisdom and understanding around this. Could you please welcome her up? This is her first time on a Sunday morning sharing. I'm so pumped, Kim, to hear from you this morning.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks, Becky. So, before I start, a little, a little God story. So, I got a text message from Becky saying, oh, I'm just thinking I might talk about the Sabbath and I'm just wondering if maybe, you know, text message. So, maybe you could talk a little bit about well-being and sleep. Text message back, sounds good. So, I'm in the shower thinking, what am I going to talk about? And it comes to me all of a sudden, maybe I'll do like a metaphor of like a jar with dirt in it and like shaking it up and it sits and rests and I turn up this morning and here's Becky standing in the hallway oh hi Kim are we on for today I'm like what's going on we never spoke about the jar and the water and the mud and so there you go we're connected that's it exactly so thanks for having me on the seventh day God rested after a long week working parenting, whatever you might be doing, retiring like my parents I'm ready for a rest I don't know about you guys long ago people worked the fields, they worked really hard and today lots of people still work hard labour type jobs I don't, I sit behind a desk but I think a lot and everybody thinks a lot, like Becky was saying we think a lot these days there's a lot required of us And on the seventh day, we're ready for a rest. So I think there's a lot of awareness around physical rest. We kind of understand, we can read our body cues and we know when it's time to have a rest. But we don't always know that it's time to give ourselves some mental rest and some some time out. And a lot of the time we don't know how to do that. It's pretty tricky to do. So that's what I'm going to focus on. As we travel through each day, as Becky said, we, we shake up this jar, and it gets clouded. It's kind of like a computer multitasking. We think about this, we think about that, we retrieve this, we store that. And anybody who knows anything about computers would know that computers function most effectively when every now and then you look after them. You delete some stuff, you run a defrag, which puts all the like pieces together, gets rid of all the pieces you don't need, and it makes the computer run more efficiently. Kind of like letting the, the jar sit and all the sediment sit to the bottom and you can see through more clearly. So how do we do this? It's pretty tricky. And there are a few options, and most of them would be pretty familiar to you all. As Becky talked about, we sleep. Sleep is a really important part of living Poor sleep is linked to a whole lot of mental health problems, physical problems, and the relationship's a bit circular. So ill health leads to poor sleep, poor sleep leads to ill health. And if we don't have sleep, um, we, we get really, really unwell. In fact, you know, there's forms of torture where they would keep people awake for long periods of time and, and your brain just can't cope without sleep. And it's not just about the physical rest. It's kind of like... Um, you know, have you ever been to Bunnings where they put the paint tins in that, you know, and it goes, and shakes it all out? Sometimes we have days like that where we're just like, sleep is, is kind of like a gentle stir. We still think in our sleep, we dream, we do all sorts of processing, but it, it's, a, it's a gentle stir. And our minds gather the lessons from the day. They sort through our random thoughts and give some order, kind of like the defrag. And we make sense of the day. And that's where some of those really weird dreams come from. And you go, where did that come from? And that's usually your mind, taking a piece of this and a piece of this and a piece of this and going, I need to make sense of this. And so you dream it and it it gives some order to your thoughts. Of course, we don't always get to stage four restorative sleep where we wake up feeling refreshed. I know that happens to me a lot. So if you're one of the many people who, who struggles to put the bottle down, I encourage you to seek some support around that because there's lots of things you can do to improve your sleep. And some of them aren't obvious. Some of them are. but still difficult to do. At the very least, we all require some sustained period of peaceful rest. Even if your sleep's not great, if you can learn how to have peaceful rest, it gives your body a break, but it also gives your mind that rest that you need. So what else do we do? We pray. We each speak to God in our own unique way. Sometimes it's through another's words. Sometimes it's through our own. It can be in a crowded place. It can be all by ourselves. Sometimes we're in church. Sometimes we're walking through the bush or sitting behind a wave on our surfboard or tucked up cosy in our bed. But what prayer has in common is that we all try to focus our attention, all of our attention, on God. So I'm not saying we're always successful with this. And I know personally that on more than one occasion, my thoughts have drifted unconsciously as I've been trying to pray. And I've shared with God my shopping list and my plans for the next day and gone through the minutes of my last meeting, which I'm sure God's super interested in. And then I realise, oops, I was supposed to be praying. Sorry about that, God. I meant to say thank you for all those wonderful things. But generally we aim to give God our undivided attention. We try and tune out the rest of the world and quiet our minds. Like Becky was saying, we try to fully engage. And this is mindful prayer. And on top of nourishing our soul, it stills our bottle and it defrags our computer, our mind. So this brings me to the third way that we can rest our minds, and that is being mindful. Have you all kind of heard the saying, stop and smell the roses? Yep, easier said than done. I'm sure I'm not the only one who feels like they want to slow their life down a little bit sometimes. How often do we hear people comment on how quickly our children grow up? How fast the months go by? Oh, it's June already. Oh, it's almost Christmas time again. How much closer our birthdays feel as we get older? Daily mindfulness provides an opportunity to engage in life's moments to take those memories from the short-term memories to long-term memories, to savour the sweet times and to pay homage in the difficult ones. So what is it? Mindfulness is no new concept, although today we're trying to think of mindfulness in new ways that fit in with our busy lives. So traditional forms of mindfulness were around um, traditional meditation where you consciously take some time to be still, to focus your thoughts on a single point. For instance, it could be your breath. A lot of mindful meditation is around your breathing. And that involves unhooking from strings of thought and bringing your attention back to that one focal point like your breath. And every time you start drifting off and thinking of something else, you unhook from that thought and you come back to focusing all of your attention on your breathing. And when you do that over and over and over, it teaches your mind how to be quiet and how to let the mud settle. But for all its benefits, and for all the many years I've been trying to do mindful meditation, it's difficult, and it's time-consuming, and usually it requires some peace and quiet, which for many of us is pretty big ask a pretty big ask. So informal mindfulness uses those same skills to consciously stay present in the moment, but it can be done without stopping your daily activity. It involves the same full engagement, But in an activity like cooking dinner, washing your hair, uh, doing the dishes, and basically it involves using all of your five senses to really engage in that activity. I like the washing the hair one because it smells so good, and you're in the cosy warm shower, and you can feel the water running over you, and you can smell the shampoo and maybe don't taste it. But all of your other senses... um, It's just a nice time to practice, you know, just focusing on those things and fully engaging in it, mindful of the water restrictions and the rest of it. So I thought, let's try a little mindful activity. Have we got time to do a little? Yep, okay. So I brought something we all love to eat. I should have brought chocolate, sorry. I have brought some sultanas. I brought sultanas because you'll be amazed at what you learn about the sultana. So just take one, pass it along, and as you get your sultana, take it in your, in your two fingers and have a good look at it. Have a look at the different colours on the sultana. Have a look at the, the texture, the ridges. There's like so many different browns and it's kind of a little bit transparent so sometimes you get a little bit of light coming through and as you move it around, just kind of Feel what it feels like. Is it squishy? Is it hard? A whole bag of sultanas has a whole lot of different textures. Sometimes you get that little, you know, stem bit that's still stuck in the end. And then once you've had a good feel and a good look, just sort of put it up to your lips. See what it feels like on the outside. And then when you're ready, put it inside your mouth and notice what your body does when you put food in your mouth it gets ready to eat something. Get it, you know, if it was something a bit more delicious, you might get a bit more, you know, salivating going on, but it is just a sultana. But then when you bite it and all the juice comes out and it's sweet, you really feel the sweetness moving around your mouth. And when you're ready, swallow it down. Or spit it out if you don't like sultanas. Obviously, we can't be mindful to this extent all the time. I love food and I have food in front of me and I gobble that down and then I kind of regret it because I think, oh, I barely remember eating that chocolate bar. How did it get to the end? Or the bag of chips, they're a shocker. You know, you're watching TV and then you sort of go, there's no more left in the bag. I've had to kind of get rid of the evidence before when Ryan goes to the football and the entire litre of ice cream is gone. <laughs> like, if I just get rid of the tub, he'll never know we had it in the first place. <laughs> food is one of the things we're probably the least mindful of. You know, we just eat and yes, we do need to eat to survive, but we probably eat more than we need to and we probably eat stuff we probably shouldn't eat. And, but if we really slow it down and enjoy our food, then it's, it's a simple way that we can be a bit more mindful conversations with people, engaging with people. We often listen to formulate what we're going to say next. But if we listen to understand and really take it in, then that's mindful conversations. And as I said, we can't do it all the time. It's really time-consuming. But if we can pick those few moments that are really important in the day, and don't get me wrong, we need to learn from the past and we need to think about the future, but sometimes we just want to be present in the moment and it's really important. So hopefully you can find a moment this week, a precious moment, and consciously choose to be present. Bill Keane, he was a cartoonist, he said, yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, today is a gift from God, which is why we call it the present. Thanks for listening.
0: And I'm sure if you want to pick Kim's brains afterwards about some ideas around how to sleep better or how to (laughs) um, practice meditation or some ideas that she has, she'd probably be very happy to share a few thoughts with you. Thank you so much, Kim, for sharing with us. It's such a blessing to have your wisdom and expertise amongst our community and we really appreciate you sharing with us this morning. I want you to turn to the person next to you, we're just about to finish, and tell them when you think you might find a space this week to act out some mindfulness, some prayerfulness and the first point which has escaped me because I didn't get enough sleep and some sleep. So just turn to the person next to you and have a really quick chat about what you think you would like to do. I just want to acknowledge in this space that there are some people probably that are very, very tired and I would encourage the very, very tired in our world to make sure they take time for rest. I'm reading a great book by a lady called Ruth Haley Barton, Invitation to Solitude and Silence in which she talks about dangerous tired and I just want to wave a flag because I think the chaos of this world probably puts a lot of people into that boat before they even know and quite often when you're dangerously tired you work harder under your little feet under the water going as mad as they can to try and get through all of the work and I do want to encourage people to put some effort into sleep and rest, and, and getting rest um, help for sleep if you, don't, if you can't sleep at night um, that was on my mind to say so there it is out there for you to take home if that's something that's really important for you to do to pay attention to the signs, the flags, the warning signs of your body and, um, and to not have to keep up with the world but maybe to live in the way that God actually designed us, which brings us to health and peace. Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The longing heart of God is not that we practice the ritual of Sabbath and stop and try to impress God by being obedient to those things. The invitation is come to him. Draw near, let let the bits and the bobs settle in the presence of mindfulness and in meditation and prayerfulness and solitude in the presence of a God who's able to do things through the mystery of his spiritual gravity and sorting through the bits and the bobs so that things become clear. Let's pray. Help us, God, as the people of God to live well, to choose to follow the invitation that you give us to come to you, to rest, to be prayerful, to be mindful, to take opportunities within the day to stop and be thankful. Help us as we learn to rest well, to trust you with the things that we can't control, to live in the rhythm that you've created and crafted us for. So that Lord when others that we mingle and mix with ask us how come we're refreshed we can share that it's you that brings freshness to life and peace to life. We don't live under the pressure of the world that demands we be busy. Demands that we be doing and being and running and participating in everything. And we choose life and wellness and wholeness. So help us to be the people of God, exampling to our world a life of peace and rest. So Lord, bless us and keep us, we pray, and make your face shine upon us and be gracious unto us in our going out and our coming in, in our labour, our leisure, our laughter and our tears. Even in the moments of sleep and dream and rest, we ask that your Holy Spirit would bless us. In Jesus' name, amen.